0: Father, we uh, do look forward tonight to what you're gonna teach us. And God, I just think of uh, those couple songs we sang and, and God, the, the, uh, Lord, it's always amazing to me how you put things together for us. And God, what we're gonna look at tonight, kind of one of the, I think one of the pinnacles of Scripture, one of the really high points as we uh, work through Scripture, and I pray that it would minister to our hearts that God, it would take us to that place where we would gain an understanding, God, of how great our salvation is and how great our God is. So bless this time. Open up our our hearts that we can receive and and hide this deep in our hearts for those times when we're struggling. And uh, Lord, just feed us uh, just intensely tonight, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Paul, in a letter to... Colossians is kind of coming against what would be, what would later become Gnosticism. And I talked about a little bit in the introduction, Gnosticism, the Gnostics weren't developed yet, so this is Gnosticism in its infant stage. But bottom line, they were a group who kind of began to promote the idea that spirit is good, flesh is evil, spirit is good material things are evil so you can't do anything about this body so you might as well make it as evil as you want but it's your spirit part that matters and then they got into and from their name Gnostics which means wisdom they were a group that acted like if you got this certain point of wisdom that made you more spiritual don't you love those people you know and they kind of they kind of promoted that and they were very mystical well The group that Paul's coming against is that, in it's infant stage, but the problem is, they believe that God the Father, or God sent out emanations of himself, and uh, you know, some of it would be in angelic form or spirit form, and he sent those out, and they accomplished his work. Jesus being one of those. Not the only one, but one of those. So now you're gonna understand tonight, as we look at this, Paul is going to exalt Jesus to the highest place he could because he's coming against that. He's talking about against that, but in doing that, this is probably one of the greatest sections on the deity and the work of Jesus Christ in the entire Bible. It's, a, you know, it's not a lot, but there's a ton in there that he gives us, and when we think about, what is the whole Bible about? Jesus, right? When we get into the Old Testament, the Old Testament is preparing us for him, correct? The Gospels teach us about God coming in the flesh, dying for our sin. Acts is the church being born and starting to spread. The epistles, uh, the letters are all about the doctrine of the person and work of Christ. And Revelation is the culmination of Christ. So the entire Bible is all about Jesus. But this section is all about putting Jesus way up here where he belongs, not some... You know, some worker for God or even as some say kind of an afterthought. I've heard people say that, like Jesus was plan B. That's kind of weird when I hear that. No, it was from the beginning. So Paul, listen, Paul is going to start to explain that to these uh, these believers at Colossae that are just kind of, listen, they're struggling. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have what we have. And people are coming in saying, well, you really don't understand who this Jesus is. Remember, this is a Gentile church, not a Jewish church, so they don't even have that background. And you need to know something, man, this Jesus is not really God. He's just someone God used to bring us to this place. You ever hear that from people? Sound familiar about some of the heresies of our day going on? You know, it's interesting, too, because Paul in this is going to tell us Jesus is absolutely the only way, period. And I was watching something or, or listening to something today, and it was a, a, a group of different men and women uh, being asked, Christian men and women, some serving as pastors. Notice the air quotes And they were asked about, is Jesus the only way? Made me sick of what some of the people who claim to represent Jesus were saying. Jesus is the only way, period. And Paul is going to, listen, Paul's going to develop that. And we have to be careful. Listen, I understand that can come across very arrogantly. And it can sound very exclusive, right? But... In reality, it's very inclusive because here's what I know, anybody can believe in Jesus. You don't have to be somebody special. You don't have to get a decoder ring. You don't have to be part of a special group. All you have to do is trust him. So Paul, listen, This Paul's writing and developing this, and, and, and he's just talked about, you know, that our redemption is through his blood for the forgiveness of sin. And then he says in verse 15, he is in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So even there, Paul kind of starts like he says something, and you're kind of going, Did that really say what I think it said? Now listen, as he's talking about he's the image of, of, uh, he's the image of the invisible God, he's not talking about like we were made in the image of God, but he is the image of God. You get the difference? We were made in, but he is the image. And when he's talking about that, he's talking about he's a representation. I think most of us understand God's spirit, right? if you don't understand just nod your head and act like you understand he's spirit and so how do you represent him to us right how do we get a how do we get a grasp of who he is and our god's so great he came up with a plan he came up with a plan before he ever created anything that how he was going to do that and the second person of the trinity jesus has existed forever now not jesus the man but the second person of Trinity has existed forever. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They've been forever. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. So they came up with a plan, so to speak. And the plan was the Son was going to come and give us a representation of God, the Father, and let us see him without, quote, seeing him. So that's what he means by the image. But then he says this. Sometimes, you, sometimes you're going, why do you do that? He says he's the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn? What do you mean he's the firstborn? When we hear firstborn, what do we think? Secondborn, thirdborn, fourthborn, right? And so he was the first one born. And if he was born, what does that mean? He hasn't always existed. And this is one of the passages that The Jehovah's Witness will go to, you know, the Gnostics went to, all of the people who try and disclaim the deity of Christ go to this and they go see he was born. Firstborn in the Bible, number one, firstborn in the Bible, very, very, very rarely is talking about the one who was born first. Have you ever noticed that as you read through it? Hardly ever does firstborn mean about the one who was born first. It means the one who is in a position of, of, authority or power or in that position of inheritance. So listen, it's not talking about him being born, it's talking about his position and who he is. So when he says, listen, when he says he's the firstborn over all creation, it means he is the one who is over all creation. Now, Paul is going to explain that. And I think, listen, I think maybe if we were you know, all Greek scholars and understood the Greek, we would, we would get it a little bit better. Maybe this is one of those times where, oh, if I read that in the Greek, I would know what he's talking about. But hey, this is the best we can do in English, so we explain it. So here's what he's saying. He's over all creation. So verse 15 is making a statement. He's the exact, he's the one who is manifesting God to us And he's the one over all creation. Now he's going to begin to develop. What does that mean? And what does that look like? I always kind of like it when Paul kind of makes a statement. And then he begins to expand on it. And expound on it so we can understand exactly what he's talking about. And here's what I really like. He doesn't say, now let me just explain to you what I just said. He just does it, right? So he says that. And then verse 16, verse 16 is amazing. Look. Listen, For I want to read it, and then we'll go back and kind of unpack it. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or, or principalities, or powers. Listen, he says, all things were, rec- were created through him and for him. Are you picking up on something there? Listen, this is a pretty powerful, powerful statement that he's making about this one who is firstborn over creation, right? Now you're kind of picking it up. Here's what he says. Number one, he's the architect of everything. He's the one, listen, Jesus is the one who, by him, all things that were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, and he goes on to describe, listen, everything that is was created by Jesus. We need to get a hold of that. I mean, this is pretty amazing to me when you stop and think about this one who came and died for our sins, we're gonna talk about it in a minute, that very one is the very one who made everything out of nothing. I always like it when people kind of wanna discuss things and, and, you know, they talk about things and someone said one time there was a debate between uh, some humanist and God, like there could be, but the humanist was saying, well, I could create something and God says, okay, you can create something, go ahead and do it and the guy like picked up a handful of dirt and God goes nope get your own dirt <laughs> right so listen then he created out of nothing he and Jesus did it and we've talked about before when you think of the vastness of this universe that we have when you think of what's going on how big it is how huge it is that our God made all Every star. I think somebody said the stars, if we try to count the stars that we even know of in, you know, the different galaxies, etc., that it would be 10 to the 25th power, which would be equivalent to all of the sand in the world three times over, grains of sand. That's how many stars there are. My God made them. Not just God the Father. The one who died for me made those. And he, listen, he made visible, he made invisible. So here's what Paul's saying. He's not just emanating from God, he is God. And he made all of that stuff, and and whether everything on earth, no matter what it was, he made it, he was the architect of it. I kind of like that. And he talks about visible, invisible thrones or powers or dominions or principalities. And then he says, all things were created through him. Here's the way I interpret this. Not only was Jesus the architect, like if you've ever done any building, if you've ever, you know, built a house, we built this building, the first thing you do is you get an architect, right? And you get an architect to do up the plans. Jesus, did, Jesus was the architect. But then in this part when it says, listen, they were created through him, not only was the architect, what do you do after you get the plans? You hire a contractor, Jesus is not only the architect, he's also the contractor, and everything was made through him. And then, listen, and then it says, and it was all made for him, for his good pleasure. So you kind of break all that down, and you gotta come up from just 15 and 16, you gotta come up, we have a pretty amazing God, and he's not, listen, he's not just an angelic being. He's not just some spirit that emanated from a higher God, he is very God of very God. Now, he's not done yet, it just gets better and better. Paul is trying to again develop this, and I want us to think about this is the one we were singing to just a few minutes ago. And it says, And verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Oh, you see, before anything was, he was. Every time I think about that, it's it kind of blows my mind. I you know, I know I share a lot. When I think about eternity in the future, that's not real hard because I think all of us want to live forever. I mean that's just kind of a thing. Well, even, even unbelievers. But when you try and go backwards, man, going backwards is hard. Like before anything was, God was. How do how do you even we can't just wrap our our heads around that because we're so tied into time and space and, and those things, but hey, he was before everything, before anything was ever made. You gotta think about, listen, how long has God existed? Forever. How long's forever? It's forever. How long forever back? Forever. What does that look like? I don't know. I'm from Bisbee and I can't figure it out. I mean, you just think about that and it's like, wow. And before, listen, and you, just, you gotta understand something too. Because of what we know about God, God doesn't need anything to be fulfilled. And you think about how long did God exist before He created? Forever. Right? It wasn't like, listen, it wasn't like He existed for a while and got born and then or got bored and then did creation. He existed forever. And you start kind of anyway, sorry. So I just, I just, I like to start thinking about that and it blows my mind. And then it says, listen. In him, all things consist. Now, as I read, they were made for him. They were created through him. In him, everything consists. Here's what I got to think. Everything that is, Jesus is holding it together. If you've ever studied anything about nuclear stuff, what is the whole thing about nuclear stuff? The whole thing is when we break everything down to an atom, we can't figure out how an atom stays together without blowing apart. You even talk to physicists and stuff and they go, you know, it's together but it doesn't make sense because it shouldn't be together and it should be blown apart and then we figured out how to split the atom and blow things apart and what do we do? We blew things up, right? I mean, that's how you make the big bomb. That's how you blow things up. Now think about this. Everything is on the verge of doing that. Do you understand that? when you look at an atom, everything's on the verge of doing that, except someone is holding it all together. That's my God. If he let go, we would, right? He'd be all over the place. So listen, Eddie, he's doing all of that. So now Paul lays that out, and he's telling us who he is as far as creation. And what does that look like as far as creation? That's to let the Gnostics know, hey, he is God. He's God Almighty, and again, if you had some conversations, I think, I think, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses will always go to verse 15, but they don't do 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Context, right? Always remember, you can read something that says he's the firstborn, but what did he mean by that? Oh, here's what he meant by that. And so don't forget that. So if you ever get in a conversation with a JW, just walk with them for a while right? Say, okay, uh, like I I see verse 15, but what about verse 16 and 17? What about verse 18? What about verse 19? How about 23? And we'll get there in a minute. Listen, so we need to understand, listen, don't take things out of context. And we'll talk about that again in a minute, because uh, one of the songs we sang is going to kind of go along with what he said, But look at verse 18. So he's he's developed him as a creator and sustainer of all things. And then he says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. You see, Jesus is preeminent in creation. But Jesus is also preeminent in the church. I love the idea, listen, I love the idea. He's letting us know who's the head of the church, Jesus. I don't care what denomination, what affiliation, all of that we have, Jesus is our head. Jesus is the one we follow. Jesus is the one we wanna listen to. And again, it just upsets me when they start interviewing people who call themselves representatives of, of the Christian faith and yet they so go away from good solid doctrine that says hey he is God not only is he's God he's our head he's the one who's leading and guiding us you know sometimes as pastors we like to say we're just you know we're just an interim pastor the real pastor is going to show up someday and he's going to put his foot on the Mount of Olives and he's going to split it in two we're going to follow him right so listen he says man he says he's the head of the body the church and then he does this again, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. What does he mean by firstborn from the dead? Jesus wasn't the very first one resurrected from the dead. Elisha you know, brought people back to life. They died again. What does he mean? Again, in order, not so much the first in, in number or the first in chronological order. He is the first in priority. When Jesus rose from the dead, he's never dying again. And so that's what he means by firstborn from the dead. He's that person, listen, and he says not only is he that, he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Do you get the idea that Paul is really trying to encourage and articulate and get across to people? Quit listening to heretics. Why is it that you can get a YouTube and have these people talking about Jesus isn't the only way and it can get, you know, 400,000 hits. I don't know how many. I didn't really look at it. And then you get another YouTube that says Jesus is preeminent over everything and it gets a thousand. What's going on? Why are we drawn to the odd? Why are we drawn to the heresy? It's our flesh. And here's what he's letting us know, man. He is preeminent over everything. Now, I love that. Listen, so now we've settled this whole thing. He's developed the idea that he's over all creation, and he's the one who was created, and it was created for him. Have you ever thought, have you ever looked in the mirror and said, I was made for Jesus? It's kind of cool. That would be an awesome tattoo, somebody out there, right? Right? My wife won't let me do those. I would be all ink if I if I could cuz I just like these sayings. Wouldn't it be great just to have on your arm? Yeah. And so so listen, we need to understand these things. And he's saying quit listening to heresy and start listening to truth. Start understanding that Jesus is all you need. He's everything. And so he laid all that out, and even to the point that he's the head of the church, and then he goes back to the idea of who he really is. Verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him uh, all the fullness should dwell. Now, listen, I I, I think we get that, right? We just studied Hebrews, and Hebrews brought that up. All the fullness of God dwells in the Son, and we need to understand that, and listen man, if you're not there, if you don't believe that Jesus is God, you need to get you need to read your Bible, you need to get into the Word, because the Word is very plain and all the fullness of god he just everything that God is is in him, dwells in him, and listen he 's not just making a theological statement, he's trying to get us to understand something. you see because this one that we 're talking about became man. Most of us know that. And, you know, I, I always like to remind us he's 100% God and 100% man. And people go, that makes 200%. How does that work? We're not doing math. We're just understanding who he is. And that's who he is. And again, sure, it's, it's beyond our comprehension somewhat. But listen, it, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. Now listen, I just want to talk about that for a moment. Just think about, when we think about, here's here's the idea. God reconciled us to him. Some modern thinking is that instead of us being reconciled to God, God needs to be reconciled to us. Hmm, That's backwards. That's messing up because here's what you're saying. God messed up and he needs to fix things. And listen, if you start looking into progressive Christianity, that's kind of what they're touting. They're touting you don't need a God who's wanting you to be reconciled. You need to understand, you know, hey, God blew it somewhere along the line and he's gotta fix it and make it right. And they will even twist some scriptures like this because it's talking about reconciliation. But listen, God doesn't need to be reconciled to me. God's done nothing to, you know, to offend me. I've done everything to offend him. Now, I wrote this down because I think it's important when we think about, when we think about our relationship with God in justification, we, we use these terms a lot. So in justification, the sinner stands before God guilty and condemned but is declared righteous, that's our justification. In redemption, the sinner stands before God as a slave, but is granted his freedom. In forgiveness, the sinner stands before God as a debtor, but the debt is paid and forgotten. In adoption, these are all things that are spoken of by us in the scripture. In adoption, the sinner stands before God as a stranger, but is made a son. In reconciliation, the sinner stands before God as an enemy, but becomes his friend. All of that is true. That's what this whole thing about salvation is. And hey, it's mind-boggling when you really stop and start thinking about exactly what it means. Listen, it's not just it's not just someone died on a cross and I believe it and woohoo, let's go on. It's about what does all of that mean for me? And listen to what he calls us because I think this is important. He says, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross and you who were once alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled. Does that blow your mind? We were enemies of God. Now, it always cracks me up because some people say not me. For reals? You are an enemy of God. You're either for him or against him. And if you weren't for him, then you were against him. Oh, maybe you were not real combative. Some of us were more combative than others. You know, I think of my, my life and where I came from, and I've shared with you before, I was raised in kind of a, a kind of a very uh, religious-oriented, uh, quote, denomination or religion. I was, I was raised in an Orthodox church, a Serbian Orthodox church. It's very ritualistic and has all these things and spoken a language that I didn't understand. And yet, you know, it's supposed to make me holy somehow. All it made me was bitter. I just got bitter. I got tired of the church. I wanted to be away from the church. I even remember one time, this is really bad. This is your pastor's true confession. I remember one time my daughter and I were driving down uh, in in Old Bisbee. We are driving down what we call the canyon, the main street. And we're driving down. And I remember she's going, Daddy, where's our church? And I go, we don't have one of those. And she goes, no, really, where's our church? Got to have a church. I don't know where this kid got this stuff. And so she was baptized Catholic because my wife was raised Catholic. So we're driving past St. Patrick's. Pretty good name, but anyway. We're driving by St. Patrick's and I go, well, there's your church right there, that church. And then here's what I said, but never, ever, ever go in there. That's your pastor. So listen, when he says we were enemies, I kind of understand that. You know, I, I think I was an enemy and alienated from God in my heart. Most of you probably weren't that outspoken against God, but I, was, I remember my dad and I one time sitting down being philosophers that we were with some help. We'll just put it that way. And I remember we're sitting there, and, and my dad and I came to the conclusion, you know what, I remember he said, you know what, when we die, we just die. I go, Dad, you're right. When we die, we just die. We're worm food, you know, and that's it. And we just cease to exist. And so we made that decision. Who needs God when you make decisions like that? So I understand being an enemy. I understand being alienated from God. And I don't want to pretend, oh, no, I was always a good boy, although I was an altar boy. But, you know, (laughs) listen, listen, I get what he's saying. And listen, man, he says, he says, we were alienated enemies in our mind and wicked with our works. All of that is true. But let's back back up because here's what he says. and, And then he says, yet now he is reconciled, And let's go back up and talk about this reconciliation. And he goes, listen, he's reconciled all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. What is he talking about? We just sang a song about the blood. I believe most of us, I'm hoping, most of us understand it's not some mystical thing with his blood, his physical blood, when we say blood, what are we talking about? We're talking about the principle that he died on the cross, shed his blood for our sins. We're not looking at the physical blood and we all need to get a little bit of that blood to be, to be saved. And hey, some places kinda teach that. There's a whole big denomination that talks about the blood and talking about the necessity of the blood today. And I'm not gonna get into things because I don't wanna do that, but listen, When we say blood, we're talking about his work on the cross that he accomplished for our behalf. So when Paul's talking about the blood, again, he's not talking about physical blood. Here's what he's saying, man. He's saying, listen, through the cross, through what he did on the cross. And I understand we're singing that song. I understand we're not thinking about blood, blood. We're thinking about the cross, right? But man, the work of the cross is what reconciles us to God. Nothing else you can't You can't get enough money. You can't, listen, you can't do enough good to outdo and undo your bad. It just doesn't work that way. It always bugs me. It bugs me when I've gone to some memorials and they're in liberal places and they always say, well, you know, Pete, he did so much. We know he, we know he wasn't a good guy. But you know what? He did some good things, and I'm sure his good outweighed his bad. <laughs> they did that at my, I, have, I, have, I had an older half-brother. They did that at his memorial. And my daughter was like nine, ten years old. And this is kind of funny. We were driving home from the memorial. It was her and, and me and my brother. And we're driving home, and out of the mouth of babes. She goes, hey, Uncle Mike. That's my brother's name. I know he's not listening, so we're safe. So, <laughs> so she says, hey, Uncle Mike, do you believe that? And he goes, believe what? She goes, do you believe that you could do more good and, and outweigh the bad? He goes, yeah, that sounds kind of good. And she goes, this is, I don't know where it came from in her head. She goes, so it's like this. So it's like when you get born, you get a million dollars, and every time you sin, you got to pay something. And if you have money left when you're done, you can get into heaven with the money you have left. And he goes, yeah, that makes sense. And here's what my daughter says. Uncle Mike, you're broke. <laughs> but some of us think that. Listen, some of us think that. And here's what he's saying. It doesn't work that way. We're reconciled by his blood And that alone, you can't do enough good. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't buy your way into heaven. It is the reconciliation through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And when I hear people say, I don't think he's the only way, it just disturbs me because here's what I know. Now they're picking on my salvation. Maybe you guys are good enough to get in heaven on your own. I'm not going to make it. Without the blood of Jesus, I'm in serious trouble. I need the blood of Jesus. I need that reconciliation that he guarantees and he promises. So here's what he says, man. He says, we're reconciled by the blood of his cross. And then I'm going to read 21 again to get into 22. And you who were once alienated and, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Are you getting the idea that Paul is pretty convinced it was the death of Jesus Christ that saves us? It wasn't, listen, it wasn't that he came to be a good teacher. It wasn't that he even came to be a martyr. It wasn't that he came to show the way. There's a whole, listen, there's a whole developed theology that says Jesus came as an example, moral, government, theology. That's that's big in some liberal churches that he's just showing you the way. No, he came to make the way. And listen, he tells us here, he says, man, listen, he says, uh, in the body through his death, To present us holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Yes. Yes. How am I gonna be holy? How am I gonna be holy and blameless in the sight of God? Oh, some of us go, you gotta live a good life. How's that working for you? You get one little slip up. boo. We got to understand, listen, we got to understand it because some of us kind of get into this works thing and we start thinking all about, you know, hey, I did so good today. How'd you do yesterday? We don't talk about yesterday. (laughs) Yesterday's gone. No, we do, and here's the thing that I know. The only way, the only way, verse 22 can be real in my life, the only way I can be holy and blameless and above reproach is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Again, not talking physical, by his work on the cross, by what he accomplished on the cross. When he went to the Father and he said, here, I did it, it is finished, it is done, Pat's sin is paid for, now I can do it. And Paul is trying to get that across. And if you take away, now now let's work this backwards a little bit. If you take away the fact that he's God and he created everything, and he's just a spirit, just, you know, emanating from God, then here's the thing, he's not preeminent over everything. And then how do you really know if his work was valid for you or not? And how are you gonna trust that, and how are you gonna believe that? Because my Bible, listen, my Bible, and I think everybody's Bible says the same thing. Jesus, listen, Jesus claimed to be God. You can read and you can, you know, I know the JWs have their own thing, but you can read and talk to them. He claims to be God. And if he's not God, he can't be a good teacher. How could he be a good teacher if he said he was God and he was lying to us? And he surely can't be a moral figure because he's a liar or out of his mind So we need to understand that, listen, why did Paul start with creation and the fact that he created everything? Not just to let us know how, you know, that our God's that great. He started with that to let us know that this one called Jesus Christ of Nazareth is God. And as God, he created. And because he created, he's over everything. And because he died and rose again, he is the head of the church. He's over the church, he's got preeminence, not just in creation, but in the church. And because that's true, he's reconciled us to the Father. Are you kind of getting where we're going? And because we're reconciled by his work, then you know what, we can be holy and blameless, and we can be people that have honor before God, and we can understand that because it's not me, It's him, and it's him changing me. Now, listen, I think that's important. We understand, and we give him the credit, and we can be above reproach. But then look at verse 23, because it's a little, it can be taken out of context, too. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Here's what he's saying. This is true, and you have been reconciled by the work on the cross... And then he throws this, if indeed, right? Did you pick up that if? A lot of us don't like the if word, right? If indeed you continue in the faith. So here's what some people say. You gotta be strong. You gotta make it to the end. You gotta go, go, go. You gotta hang in there, you know? And, and you know, I even heard people say, you know, you're not gonna get the Holy Spirit unless you're holy. And then most of us hear that and we go, well, I'm left out, you know, and, and we go down that way. But, but what is he saying if you make it to the end? Why is he saying that? because this thing called Christianity is not just raising my hand in church, it's not just saying certain words, it's the fact that Jesus changed me. He changed me and I'm going to make it to the end because he changed me, but my making it to the end proves that he changed me and and that's a reality and that's a fact. It's not, listen, my salvation's not contingent on me making it to the end. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you're gonna go to the end if indeed he reconciled you. And my God reconciled me. I know I'm going to heaven. I don't know about you all, but I'm going to heaven because he, died, he reconciled me and he did that for me. So then, listen, oh, and then he says this because I love this. He says, he says, You know, if indeed, and we're going to develop this a little bit, if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Oh, there's this thing now he's throwing in there, the gospel. You see, because in our generation, just like their generation, there's a whole bunch of false gospel going on. As a matter of fact, I would say in our generation, we have a greatest opportunity ever if you want to believe lies. Just being honest. And most of us get a hold of that, you know, and, and, you know, again, because of where we're at as a nation and things going on, most of us get a hold of that when we're talking about maybe politics or pandemic or mask or no mask or vaccine or no vaccine. We know all the junk that's out there, right? Nod your heads. Come on, you guys are all reading that. And we go, yeah, but there's lies and there's not lies and there's this and that. How about the gospel? Some of us listen, we'll listen to a heretic all day long and go, Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yes, there is. They're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. When somebody says Jesus is not the only way, they're a heretic. I don't care what they call themselves, I don't care what they label themselves. They're wrong. And you and I need to know do you know the gospel? Do you know what that means? And here's what Paul says. You're going to go to the end. He says, "Listen, and unless you have moved away from the gospel. It's moving away from the cross. It's moving away from everything that saves us." And why am I so dogmatic about that? I I've shared, you know, 10 times tonight because that's the only way I'm getting into heaven. I know that I'm not good enough. I know I haven't done enough good. To quote my daughter, I'm broke. I know that. So here's the thing, man. I need Jesus desperately. And when you start taking Jesus away from me, when you start telling me he's really not God, when you start telling me he's not who he said he was, and you start ripping that down, here's what you've just told me. You're not going to heaven, dude. You're not going to make it. And I'm going to fight with you tooth and nail. I'm going to go all the way. He is the reason. So listen, man. Paul says the gospel then, the gospel Oh, which you heard. Oh. Doesn't it say someplace in the Bible that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God? Mm-hmm. Where does my faith come from? Hey, it doesn't come from me just like, you know, and, and even here where he says, the, you know, the hope of the gospel. My hope I could, I could put faith there. My hope doesn't come from me just looking and watching and doing certain things. My hope comes from understanding Scripture and understanding the Word of God. Oh, and then I love this. He says, he says the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Oh, Now some may say, and I love this, do you really think that Paul preached to every creature? That's not what he's saying. He's saying this truth is proclaimed and is out there for every creature. Anybody, anybody can believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not for some, and you gotta think about, you gotta think about, who's he talking to? He's talking about to a bunch of Gentiles. Notice he didn't go to the Old Testament. Why? They don't know the Old Testament. Here's what he's telling them, man. You guys are, and here's what I love. You guys are just as saved as the Jews who got saved. And you're completely saved. And you and I need to know, when he's saying every creature, he's not meaning that we gotta go, you know, we gotta go share with the birds, and we gotta go share with the, you know, I was watching a guy today (laughs) capture an alligator in a garbage can, and it was, It's a cool, it's the best YouTube I've seen. So it was fun. So anyway, sorry. (laughs) We don't have to go tell the alligator that's in the garbage can. He did a good job, but anyway. (laughs) Every creature means that the gospel is available to everybody, and Paul has become a minister. Now why didn't Paul say the gospel, I preach to you? Why didn't he say that? because he's never been to Colossae. Paul didn't share with them directly. I think he shared with Erasmus, who shared with them. I think that's who it is. One of the guys shared with them, who shared with with the church at Colossae, and they got saved, but he personally did not share with them. So here's the takeaway I get. Jesus is above everything. And my Jesus is God. And I need to understand that one who is holding the entire universe together died on the cross for me. Now, I know, I know someone's going, well, how come it didn't fall apart when he died? Right? That's the people, I've even had JW say, are you then telling me God died? Yeah, pretty much. That's what I'm telling you. And they go, that doesn't compute. And I go, It's okay. It doesn't always have to compute. How did things stay together when Jesus died? Well, I think he kind of went, ah, Dad, (laughs) could you hold this for a minute? (laughs) Now, I know that's putting it in kind of simplistic terms, but you know what I'm talking about. Hey, and this one, listen, this one that we say we worship is preeminent over everything. And we need to get that in our hearts. And when people try and take that away from you, here's what they're telling you. Your salvation is not what you think your salvation is. Hmm. Those are fighting words. Those are words we need to, as a church, stand up. And it's getting, listen, it's creeping in big time. It's not, it's not just a few out there or a few here. It's creeping and it's coming big. And you and I need to be ready to stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ and not let go and not let people take that away from us. Let's stand up and pray. Lord, what an amazing thing it is to stop and think about is even as we read this and and just Paul being so articulate on exactly who Jesus is. This one who redeemed us and bought us earlier, he says. Now he says this one who reconciled us to God who took us who were so against God and changed us and made us to be people who are for him. God, I thank you. I thank you that we have this scripture that kind of reaches to the heights of letting us know how great our God is. It's not some afterthought, it's not something that that everything else didn't work, so I'm gonna come up with that. But God, I thank you for this gift of salvation. I thank you that as enemies, we can be reconciled to you. We can lay down our enmity. We can lay down our alienation. We can even lay down our wickedness and let that be changed so that we honor you with our lives. And I'm going to ask right now that you stay in an attitude of prayer. And if you are here tonight and you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, kind of a cool night to do it. Good time to be here, because if you came in, I think you got an earful about how great our God is, and that should have, listen, that should have worked in your heart, and hopefully you're there going, man, I want to know that God. So if that touched your heart tonight, and you want to know Him, I'm going to say a prayer. We've already explained, listen, we've already explained, we were at enmity with God, we were against God, and He changed us. And he brought us to him, those of us who know him. You want to experience that? He can change your life too. All you got to do is let him know that you know you're a sinner. You got to be honest with God. And you got to let him know that's what you know that's going on in your heart. So hey, if I'm talking to you, we talked about he died on a cross for you. He took your place. So if I'm talking to you, say this prayer with me. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If you're backslidden tonight, come home, man. Come back to Jesus. Tonight is the night to come back. If you're watching online, say the prayer right where you're at. You couldn't get here, so, hey, great, you turned it on, you're watching, then say this prayer with us. Jesus, tonight I confess that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, I want to be reconciled. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you tonight for dying for my sins. And now I want you to come into my heart and change me. I want you to come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.